Hi there, it's Aaron. Thanks again for listening to The World Dispatch. We really appreciate you rocking with us. Since we do the show for you, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you like, what we can work on. Send us a tweet at Outline Dispatch or hit me up directly at Aaron M. Edwards. You can also email me at Aaron at theoutline.com. If you're a big fan, tell a friend, foe, or auntie about The World Dispatch and give us five stars in your favorite podcast player. All right, thanks again and enjoy the show. You want a good smoke? Try one of these. You will meet Bill. The Outline World Dispatch. I sort of started doing my taxes the other day, and I feel like I'm ahead, but if you're behind, maybe we can be behind together. It's Monday, February 26, 2018. I'm Aaron Edwards. Culture. The caramel chocolate flavored candy bar looked so innocent, like the sky bars I used to love as a child. What is that from? That <laughs> That is from uh, Maureen Dowd's 2014 uh, story. I think it was called Don't Harsh, Don't Harsh My Mellow Dude, which is a really unfortunate title. Kieran Delamont, a freelance writer based in Canada. It has become somewhat, somewhat famous, I guess, among pot writers that I talk to because uh, she went, as the story goes, she went to cover some of the, you know, the the the, the opening of the legal industry in Colorado. Um, she she found herself a, a chocolate bar of some sort, an edible chocolate bar of some sort, and just dove in. Um, which, like anybody who's ever had an edible knows, is a horrible mistake. Uh, and she has like, and she has written subsequent columns where she's trying to defend that it wasn't on the package. Like there was no instructions written, and she had a, you know, she had. I think she says she spent the next eight hours thinking she was going to die, and she tried to be somewhat artful with this. And, and you know, I, in a way, I kind of actually sort of respect that effort. It really reminded me of like Reefer Madness, like that classic. Uh, movie that was, you know, uses propaganda. Yeah. Innocent of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. But, but this piece was trying to frame a, a conversation about um, how how weed was being used in hospitals and for children and things like that. But it starts off with this very personal experience that is really kind of intended to shock and and that seems like a really bad way to get into a conversation about the ways that you know that weed can be used what's happening with with weed right now well on one hand you're seeing legalization sweep across various jurisdictions uh, in, in north america and around the world right the reality of that is that that has made it news in a lot of places um and that has kind of forced Two things, which is, I think, uh, you know, has forced a lot of people who are doing longer forms of writing to kind of want to explore this as a topic to 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 write about and to to think about. The confluence of those two things, I think, has produced a a sort of it's created a bit of a, a genre of cannabis journalism, and I think that one on one hand it hasn't also hasn't really been done necessarily very well and on the sec on the other hand i think there's a lot more interest in in how to do that well and how to do it seriously that expands and, and moves beyond some of the staples of the genre so when we're talking about weed writing what would you say are the uh, like staples there's a lot 
in terms of staples, like, you know, this sort of gonzo-esque guy goes to the cannabis convention or some place where there's basically a lot of weed floating around. Where I think that this like, problems kind of come in is, is that these staples tend to just sort of rely, I think, on a viewpoint, uh, which is fairly outdated. Uh, it tends to, like I said, kind of be in awe of how much this illegal industry is thriving and or how much the legal industry is thriving and it's um I, I, as a reader i think it's just it's it's just become boring after a while high times wish you a happy 420 what about high times which i think is a publication that people point to when they think about you know mm-hmm. Uh, publications that are covering weed like it, it is i in my experience at least the the one that people will probably think of first where do they fall in the conversation about about what's happening to weed journalism um yeah so high times is uh, high times is interesting uh, you know uh, it started in the 1970s it was founded in 1974 as, as this almost joke parody of, of playboy and says okay well what if we replaced all the naked women in playboy with pot plants and they have tried to to fill it with lots of actual journalism, and they've they have writers who've you know they've they've done big stories and big investigations and and all of these things. It does channel a certain a certain audience, right? Uh, it is you know it um, and it really sort of I think channeled that kind of nineteen seventies uh, hangover from the hippie era, almost sort of sort of stoner libertarianism, as I think uh, the way I sort of think about it. Right, definitely. I, I think in that in that vein too the people who are actually writing these stories becomes very important. So I'm, I'm really curious about what your perception is of the demographics of who is actually writing about weed, like in 2018. Is it, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I can guess what the answer is just based on like what I know about the media <laughs> industry, but uh, has there been any shift or, or movement in the right direction of getting more diverse voices? Uh, <laughs> that's a, it's a, it's a tough one to answer. I mean, a handful of people I know, kind of up in Canada, uh, but it, by and large, you're 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 100 right. Like it is, it is. It's a lot of white writers. It's a lot of white male writers, um, which is not, you know, it's it's that's not different. That's not unique to the the cannabis writing industry whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That is definitely something that that happens throughout, uh, especially a certain type of of kind of cultural journalism. And but and yeah, you know, you're going to need to start to see you know, more, more sort of writers of color, more women writers in the cannabis space would be fantastic because, you know, I read a lot of it and I feel, you know, and and I don't necessarily have any numbers to back this up necessarily, but I really feel as if it's an overwhelmingly male perspective. Yeah. Um, You know, and uh, understanding that I am conflicted up the wazoo when I sort of point this out, but uh, it's very easy for a white guy like myself uh, to feel comfortable uh, you know, sort of smoking weed in public. Um, that's, you right. know, and, and, and I think about this sometimes when I do, right. It's, it's like the way that translates, I think into all, you know, in, into the way people write about it is, is, you know, we should be exploring the way cannabis is consumed by people differently in public spaces. It's, you know, we should be able to, to explore these things, but bringing that towards, you know, together with cultural journalism, which I think is important too. Um, you know, I, I think we're, we're just kind of getting and, and on the cusp of getting to that point where we can do it. Are there publications that we can look at as a model for what we should be doing moving forward? 
Yes and yes and no. I, th I think um, I, I pointed to a couple that are that are new and that are interesting. Uh, Gossamer. The idea being is that they're trying to do a form of cannabis journalism that uh, is supplementary to actually uh, kind of going and consuming. And one of their great ones was on a desktop full of screenshots. So moving forward, then. What do you think we need more of and what do you think we need less of? Just broadly speaking, when we're thinking about specifically more mainstream publications, when they enter the conversation about covering covering cannabis and figuring out, you know, how to lead people through what's happening in the industry in a respectable and meaningful and, and oftentimes, you know, still funny and, and light way. Um, I think publications will need to resist in, in a lot of ways this impulse to to do a story about cannabis that, uh, like I said, finds cannabis interesting only just sort of just in and of itself. Um, that thinks that okay, if you send a writer to the cannabis cup and they come back describing how much cannabis there is there, that that will be uh, interesting to read or right. It's not novelty. Kind of it's not like underbelly anymore. Right. And as it stops becoming underbelly, that is, you know, I think you're going to see less and less of those stories because they've, you know, there's a critical mass for how many we can do of writer goes to cannabis cup type stories. Um, but that is where I think the question becomes really interesting is how do you, how do you treat it then outside of something like news? I think you have to look to, to the way you talk about food and the way you talk about uh, wine writing and 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 things like that and and looking to some of the great examples of of writing in those contexts I think should be a guide for how people uh, start to write about about cannabis because when people write about food the story is often not about the food itself uh, the story is about the way we map cultural differences onto food the way we use food as this kind of uh, you know outward facing um, display of, of of who we are and and right. and our cultures and our identities and things like that. But then it's also very personal in the sense we you know we actually kind of consume our own identities through food, right? Um, I think of somebody who's a you know who identifies as a vegetarian. That's a very easy way to to sort of illustrate it because you know what they put in themselves is essentially the way they identify. Right. That is not necessarily different from the way. You know, I think a certain type of cannabis user now uses cannabis. It's it's something that is part of their identity. Uh, it's part of of who they are. It's part of um, how they they experience and go through life. Yeah, I feel like I I don't think about those things in conversation too much. But but now that you say it, I do feel like the best food writing that I have read, like a, you know, a conversation about West Indian food in New York is a conversation about displacement. It's a conversation about. Um, you know, changing demographics in neighborhoods. And even though it's just talking about a specific uh, food or, or culture, you're still, you have to examine the systems that surround it in order to write about it effectively. So I feel like that's a, that's a really nice parallel to to talking about cannabis, for sure. Oh, it, I mean, it absolutely is. And, and I think I even referenced it, but I, one of my favorite all-time um, pieces of food writing is this, this story uh, – by Danny Chow at the Ringer uh, about you know the search for hot chicken and and you know 
it delves into this idea of, of, you know, why is this sort of simple food become such a Southern staple? But then, you know, what is the mentality of somebody who, who, you know, what's the reason? Why do people like spicy food and food that is just deliberately painful? Um, you know, which is, I think, the personal side and the cultural side kind of coming together in, in an interesting way. And the future for, for cannabis writing, I think, will be you know, one, finding those differences and, and starting to explore the way that those differences already exist. Uh, and then two, finding, you know, a language in which to, to, to write about those. It's a, it's a slow burn. <laughs> it is a slow burn. And maybe my other pitch is that like, there's like seven different metaphors and like analogies that people use. Uh, slow burn is one of them. Uh, I feel like I, yeah, I was like, I literally just yeah. proved your point. Yeah, no. And, and it's bad because like, I will, I mean, I'm, I'm just as guilty of it all the time, too, because I'm, I mean, I'm a terrible headline writer, and so I'll turn in these stories, and I'll be like, well, I'm going to go back to one of the, you know, one of the very, very easy puns I'm going to play here. Yeah, I had to. I really, I couldn't resist. Today you heard from Kieran Delmont, a freelance writer based in Canada. If you want more of our stories, our home base is at theoutline.com. We're produced by James T. Green. Also, we really want to hear from you. We love getting feedback or even just a hello. It really makes our day. Special shout out to Bobby and his family in Colorado for writing in. Hi, Bobby. Since we make the show for you, we want to know what you think about it. Send us a tweet at Outline Dispatch. Hit me up directly at Aaron M. Edwards. Or you can email me at Aaron at theoutline.com. Hope you have a great Monday. Good luck on those taxes. I'm Aaron Edwards. Talk to you tomorrow.